Hello, everybody, and welcome to Aftersight. I am your host, Penn Street. And today I definitely want to give a couple of shout outs. AIMC has a couple of brand new podcasts. One is called Blind Sight, and it's with Bill Lundgren. And he really dives into everything around mental health and a ton of really amazing topics that is very helpful for all of us, regardless if you are blind and visually impaired or not. The other one is Topic of the Month, which is with our very own Executive Director, Kim Wardlow. And each month we dive into a specific topic. And this month is advocacy. So definitely check it out on our website at aincolorado.org. And There's also a ton of really amazing resources and services around advocacy, as well as links to the podcast. So today I'm super excited. Um, My guest is Lauren Baer, and Lauren is our new Audio Information Network of Colorado. Um, She's our new volunteer coordinator. And so Lauren, um, she really, really does have a beautiful soul, and we're so lucky to have her. And she's also, she's just so supportive on our team already, and then, of course, with our volunteers. So stay tuned, and when we come back, Lauren is actually going to share her journey and how she ended up here at AINC. You're listening to Aftersight with Penn Street, an AINC original podcast. If you enjoy what you hear, please visit AINcolorado.org for more shows, news, and articles read by our amazing staff and volunteers. If you have a question for Penn or would like to recommend a guest for future shows, please visit AINcolorado.org slash podcast dash guest. And now here's your host, Penn Street. Lauren, welcome to Aftersight. Thank you, Penn. It's lovely to see you. <laughs> you too. Um, <laughs> so the little pun there. It's always kind of funny when you're saying "see." <laughs> I know people do that. They're like, "Oh, I shouldn't have said that." But you, it's I say it. I say, "Oh, I saw this amazing movie last night," or "I I read a great book." So yeah, yeah. So it's just part of our vocabulary. Yeah, it's easy to wonder if it was a faux pas or. Or just a normal part of speech. (laughs) I know. I think it's a normal part of speech. That's what I like to think anyway. (laughs) Well, Lauren, um, Lauren, so one of the things that I like to do on the podcast is I like to just have some rapid fire questions. So the audience gets to know a little (laughs) bit more about you before we dive in. Is that okay? All right. Let's try it. I, I keep waiting for somebody to say, no, I, I, I don't. I don't want to do no, that. No, don't ask but... me any questions. That's, that's not what I came here for. <laughs> it's a staring contest. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Okay. <laughs> so, Lauren, um, do you like to cook or would you rather be cooked for? Oh, I would absolutely rather be cooked for. I'm a good cook. I just don't want to do it. <laughs> oh, I actually like enjoy cooking more than I do. I mean, I'm I'm a good cook, and I like to eat what I cook. But I love I love the I keep I trying to whole... find some mental game I can play with myself to make myself enjoy <laughs> cooking. <laughs> well, you got to be one or the other, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, what about the a speeding ticket or a parking ticket? I'm more likely to get a parking ticket. Okay. Used to be more inclined to get a speeding ticket. <laughs> 
<laughs> is that because you're getting older or you're getting wiser? I think I'm getting more patient. Oh, there you go. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and older. That's definitely uh, happening. <laughs> what Would you rather have a silly hat or silly socks? Oh, silly hat. Silly hat. Let, let, oh. let my freak flag fly. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that. Um, air guitar or air drums? Air drums. Air drums. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I think air drums is more fun because you really kind of wave your arms and get into it. Air guitar is not as, not as exciting. Um, okay. Easier to fake it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And well, I do have to share with my audience, I gave... I gave Lauren a heads up on this so she could think about it. Um, what is your, what, if you had a theme song, what would it be? Okay. Yeah, I did think about this. So, so my kind of adventurous side, I'm going to say it's How Far I'll Go from Moana, the theme song from the movie Moana. Ooh. And um, my, my more reflective side is a song called Fetch Your Life by Prince KB. He's a South African artist. Oh, wow. And uh, I really like that, but it talks about the um, agony you experience when you're not following your dreams. Oh, wow. And so you and should go and fetch your life. I will. And I will definitely look that up. And for the audience, we will make sure that we put those songs in the podcast notes so that you also can check them out. So, um, wow, <laughs> I love that. Well, this this goes right into um, the next question, Lauren. I know that you love to travel and you've been all over the world. And <laughs> what, what, how in the world did you end up at AINC? <laughs> um, it was this, the past six months of my life have been kind of a whirlwind of I felt like I got sucked into some kind of a wormhole and spit out into a different life and not in a bad way at all, but it's still been a lot of change. And from the outside, it probably doesn't look like it's as fast as it felt like from the inside. Hmm. But over the past year, you know, I'm originally from Colorado and I've been living in Minnesota. My husband's from there. And there were several situations. My mom had some health situations. So I came out and over the past year, I came out a bunch and we started to talk about maybe it being time to think about coming back home. Mm. And my husband loves it here too. So that was an easy sell. And then an opportunity came up in his work and that's when the whole tornado of chaos ensued <laughs> because his company tends to be very slow, but they weren't this time. And within three weeks, he had a new job in Colorado. Wow. And we had to start thinking about selling a house we'd been in for over two decades, and we weren't at all prepared to sell and, oh. and everything. But then once all of that chaos uh, slowed down enough, and I decided to go online and start looking at opportunities, and I saw this one, this is the only thing that I applied for <laughs> before coming out here. Wow. And so it, it's it's pretty fabulous that I was lucky enough to land this opportunity. But with some of the volunteer work I've done, I saw some overlap that I really liked. Mm -hmm. And just my experience working with volunteers from, from the projects I've worked with. So uh, Penn would know this from our meetings, but I worked in a volunteer program called Between the Lines in Minnesota. And what we do is we bring in these large totes of books for women and caregivers to read to the children that they took care of before they were incarcerated. And we have them read the book they select um, if it's a longer book, you know, they can only read about 10 minutes worth. But still, it's a recording that we can then burn onto a CD, always looking to change the technology. But um, but it, it was CDs when I was there. And um, 
buy a new copy of the book, wrap that all up as a gift and send it off to the kids. And mm-hmm. it had a dual purpose of giving them the caregivers and the children an additional way to connect during the separation. But it also encourages literacy with the kids. Mm. And so that was, you know, kind of an extra bonus feed two birds with one seed kind of a thing. And seeing the work that you all do with audio, I just felt like it was similarly meaningful and similarly valuable. So, so I was very excited to see this opportunity pop up. Well, and you fit right in. It felt like it feels like you've always been here. So that's oh, it's, thank it you. is beautiful and i if people want to go back and listen i think it might have been a week or two ago that kristen was on after sight and she was a young woman that was incarcerated for you know a decade and she also talked about you know how she found braille to connect with the outside and give her something I think she said something beautiful in a world that was not beautiful uh-huh. in prison. And so yeah. that that project, is that a project they do at, at a lot of the prisons or is this a special project that's at this particular prison? I have heard of it existing in other places and I'm not quite sure where else it exists. I did it through the Junior League. And so that oh. was one of the projects that, that we had. And I had joined it. I think it was around for about five years when I came along. And then I worked with it for, I guess, about seven years before wow. I moved here. Yeah, so it's it's a great program. And I have heard of it existing. It might exist under other names. But, uh, but it's not like a nationwide thing that I was just doing that chapter of or something. It should it should be because right the trauma that that children go through when their their parents yeah. are incarcerated is horrendous and yeah to have that just like here at AINC one of the comments we get over and over again one of the reasons that we're so successful is that all of our program is the human voice and compared mm. to you know a synthesized voice and so I can imagine yeah. a child being at home and getting that gift in the mail of their mom's voice reading to them is yeah. uh, it just gives it gives me chills like <laughs> it's so so incredible yeah one of the one of my favorite bits of feedback that we got was hearing about a child and you know how child or children can be kind of obstinate and and yeah. um, you know not wanting to show their vulnerability at times especially right. when they're extremely vulnerable yeah and um, so this child who had been telling their caregiver that they they didn't care about the audio they don't listen to it but the person that was taking care of them while their caregiver was incarcerated said that the child listened to it every night oh yeah Powerful. we all put up those walls when even if they're not needed but we put yeah. up walls to protect us even if it's just the walls we think are protecting us, even though yeah. they're really not. But uh, that's just that is so incredibly beautiful. Well, Lauren, you've been you've traveled quite a bit. Um, could you share one of your favorite places that you went to and, and why you ended up there? Why I ended up there is always because I haven't been there yet or I loved it oh. and I want to return. <laughs> oh, okay. Often the way I choose the next place I'm going is where I find a really good deal too. Oh, okay. But um, I love Thailand. Got deep connections mm-hmm. to Thailand. I've studied there a couple of times. And uh, the last time I was there, I had the, the luxury of staying with a Thai family with the three generations and everything. Mm-hmm. And so it was super cool to see that from the inside, because typically in Thailand, you don't get to see the inner workings in someone's home. You mm-hmm. usually end up meeting Thai friends at a restaurant or something, but not usually at their home. 
Right. And so having that inside access was amazing. And my family was so generous and kind to me. So hopefully they'll come see me now that I have a guest room here oh, <laughs> in Colorado. That would be <laughs> so awesome. I'll start bugging them soon. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, that would be really fun. You'll have to bring them into the office. Oh, wouldn't that be great? That would be And the grandma, wonderful. only a couple of the family members spoke English and my tie is not good. <laughs> but the uh, grandma, she would she would sit with me and she would try and teach me some Thai words, especially some regional ones because I was in northern Thailand. And so there's some differences. <laughs> like uh, it's typical to say like for hello, it's Swati Ka. And in northern Thailand, there's like a, a slight alteration where it's Swati Jao. <laughs> Oh, and so if wow. I say that to a Thai person, they know in, immediately where I was. Oh. And uh, yeah, so she was great. She, I also called her the umbrella police because I was there during the monsoon season and she would Ooh. try to keep me from leaving without my umbrella. And, you know, of course, when I forgot my umbrella, it rained. Of course. <laughs> that never fails, right? Yeah. So she was right. looking out for me. Yeah, she was. Oh. She was pretty fabulous. Wow. <laughs> well, I, uh, many of our audiences know that um, they knew Kat Bradbury, um, mm. who was our coworker who who passed away unexpectedly uh, yeah. just a few months ago. And I I have not had a chance to talk to you about this, but how you know th some of these volunteers worked with her for decades. Right. How are the volunteers embracing you, or are they not embracing you? I I can't imagine that. But how I is that going? I haven't run into any friction at all. Um, the volunteers have all been really welcoming and lovely. And when word got out that I was hired, then I started receiving some really welcoming, beautiful Aww. emails. Um, yeah, and, and often they acknowledged Kat in those emails. And so I really liked that that she wasn't being erased from the yeah. story, you know? So they, oh. they remember her and they love her. And and they, you know, recognize that that we're in a new place now and and they're ready to work with me. So they've been oh. really easy to work with. We have great well, volunteers. <laughs> yes, we do. I have to say when I read your resume and I went on to your LinkedIn and and stuff, I felt like <laughs> there was I even told our executive director Kim this is that I I see a little cat there, you know, and that <laughs> and I think that that I mean, you can never, I mean, I've been in situations where I went into a new job and the, my predecessor, you know, was kind of, I, I don't think I've ever um, followed somebody who had passed away, so especially somebody who was so beloved. Yeah. But it is hard stepping into new shoes. And so I know that when you came on, all of us were, this is, you know, Lauren is not replacing Kat. This is a new role. This yeah. is a new person. And we, but all of us just from the beginning really felt like you were the one and, and here you are. Oh, that's so lovely to hear. Yeah, you've yeah. all been so welcoming. And I feel like everyone has made kind of the runway to getting up to speed as easy as it can be, you know, really, yeah. really helpful. Absolutely. And and how about the AINC team? Uh, you know, we're not a huge group, but we're all very individuals. Yeah. How have you felt like you're fitting <laughs> in with us? You all have a great family here. Thank you for bringing me in. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I like y'all enough that the, that first, the Winnie the Pooh event that, that I brought oh, my mom yes. and my sister to that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I was, I was showing y'all off. 
These are my cool coworkers. I that was sweet. <laughs> that was sweet meeting meeting your your mom and your husband and um and so what what brought you to this kind of work? You know, the work that you did at the prison and then the work you're doing now, it takes a certain kind of person not that it's not a good fit for everybody. What right. is there something in your life that that drew you to this kind of work or did you just sort of landed it and embraced it? How did how did that all come about? I think a lot of the things that I've done that other people shy away from are things that I feel like I can genuinely make a difference, that mm-hmm. I could genuinely be helpful to other people. And I feel that I've got a pretty strong drive that I, I need to do that. Um, like, for example, I, I worked in hospice for a little while, and then my last place was assisted living. And a lot of the people there, you know, we're not talking about people who are at the independent living stage of their life. right? And so it was common to lose our residents. And, you know, there's a lot of grief around that. Yeah. And so I think I think some people are, are wired that that they can kind of process that grief and continue on and not let it crush them. Yeah. And I must be wired that way. So I can experience all the grief and all the sadness, but I can also come back and, and do it again. Yeah. And I think, you know, we've talked a little bit about death and um, like I had yeah. an experience about, a, you know, a few weeks ago that we talked about um, where I witnessed yeah. somebody passing away right in front of me. And so we talked about death a little bit. And can you share some of what you shared with me about that that moving on or, or whatever you want to call it, it it's not an end and it's you know that it should actually be celebrated i definitely i think if you have any kind of spiritual leaning that that there's something beyond this i think we can get so fixated on thinking of death as being terrible or an end but most people do have some kind of spiritual foundation where they believe in something else and so i think they lose sight of that belief when you're experiencing the loss, the grief. Mm. And as somebody who believes that that there genuinely is something after this, I don't have clarity on what that is. <laughs> yeah. But I, I believe it's something good. And um and so for me, I think it's about recognizing that everything is temporary. You know, I, I have Buddhist leanings and so recognizing that that change is is a part of life. But also, like, there's, I wish I had it in front of me so I could read it, but there's a beautiful hospice poem that was written by someone about dragonflies. Mm. And it talks about these dragonflies. They're, they're in their, um, you know, oh gosh, I'm not even going to think of the right embryonic stage. Let's say yeah. they're, they're in the living in water stage. And you, you have a couple of dragonflies who are talking to each other about these other dragonflies who left and they went up to the surface and they never came back and they must have died and it was terrible and and we're grieving them and they never came back to tell us that they were okay so it must be mm. horrible and um so one of the dragonflies says okay well i promise when i go up to the water i'm going to come back and i'm going to tell you and so time comes goes back up becomes a full-fledged dragonfly but he can't go back into the water again And so he has this awareness that he can't fulfill that promise he made, Mm. but he's on to a whole new life where he can fly. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And so that's, that's a lot of how I see death. That that's absolutely beautiful. (laughs) And I love, I love dragonflies (laughs) um, and I love butterflies. I love that, 
transformation, um, you know, because, you know, I, we've talked about that on the podcast about how, you know, it's called after sight because there is life after sight. And I think that there is sort of a feeling of loss and grief and even death, um, to people who get diagnosed or, or are in an accident where they do lose their vision and, that's yeah. that's a beautiful way of thinking about it and i definitely try that there are definite days that <laughs> that you know i don't <laughs> want to get it's out than others. <laughs> absolutely <laughs> um lauren when you have a dark day um what motivates you to 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 fly you know to not stay under the water I, I think actually I have a little bit of a different approach than than trying to talk myself out of being in a funk when I'm in a funk, mm-hmm. because I I think that our energy kind of needs to go through cycles, and you know having studied in Thailand and I've also studied traditional Chinese medicine and everything, and recognizing you know just like with yin and yang you've got you've got day and you've got night and you're going to have days that are beautiful and you're going to have days that are hard, yeah, and I think giving myself permission to have bad days is is my my key that I don't have to have a good day every day and that I can have days that I'm just feeling sorry for myself and that I know my thoughts are completely selfish and irrational and <laughs> I don't allow myself to stay in that place but I can sit there for a little while until I've had enough time you know a lot of that is just going inward and we usually do that when we need to do some kind of healing and mm. it can be some kind of healing that only needs a 15 minute nap or it can be healing that re- requires more time but I think in a lot of Western culture, there's such a focus on always being smiling and getting over grief quickly. We don't allow people room to grieve. And so even though I have this this belief that there's something beautiful afterwards, that change that doesn't change the fact that it really sucks for the survivors. And so you are going to miss that person. You are going to have this hole in your life. Your whole life, your whole world has to reshuffle because like within a family unit, whatever job that person held, that that's now a big vacancy and everything has to reshuffle to figure out, you know, who the ma- new matriarch is going to be and how that's going to play out and how are the family traditions going to be maintained or which ones are going to fall to the wayside. And, and so that's a lot. And so giving ourselves permission to have hard days, I think is important. Yeah, absolutely. I think sometimes when, like you said, like Western culture, it's just like, you know, be happy, be on, you know, be the star and so when yeah, you only when you high vibes yeah exactly <laughs> but when you don't feel like that and you don't allow yourself like you said sometimes it's 15 minutes sometimes it's a day um you know i mean even yeah. if you look at our culture you get three days of, of agreement like you know what i mean of of being able right. to take off which is work insane and that's good. only for the people who are closest to you legally. <laughs> that's true. That's true. That doesn't include, you know, best friends or or even a pet, you know. Sometimes yeah. you know, I know with me, you know, a lot of people know Beethoven, you know, it may take more yeah. than 3 days. It's so I I agree. I think that that <laughs> what so what what have you experienced in some of the other cultures that you've experienced how they deal with it? One thing that was interesting to me, for example, we have a lot of Tibetan friends and Tibetan neighbors, and um, or at least in Minnesota, we had Tibetan neighbors. And there is a focus on not being overly emotional when someone is passing. 
because it's a way of kind of attaching to them and not letting them move on or at least making them feel really badly about moving on and that you're not oh. going to be okay. Cause that can be a real worry for someone, you know, yeah. are the people I'm leaving behind going to be okay? And so complicating their exit, um, is, is not considered a great way to go. You know, it's, it's frowned upon. And I, I think that that's an important thing. Like when my dad passed, he, he was, he was very goofy. He makes me look like I'm a normal person. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> he was extraordinary. We, he, and he was full of bad choices in a way that we never thought he'd live long enough to die of natural causes. <laughs> but one of his eccentricities, because he grew up during the depression was he loved day old pastries. So he would always oh. go and find the day old pastry section and he would bring home these day old pastries. <laughs> and someone had brought some pastries to us that were fresh. And, um, and so we, you know, we're sitting there keeping vigil with my dad while he's dying. And shortly after he passed, we realized it was past midnight, which technically made those pastries day old. <laughs> and so we, we sat with him and we each enjoyed a pastry and we told funny stories. Oh, so, yeah, that's beautiful. That's I'm just beautiful. Grab a tissue. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, that's, I I wish we could do more of that, look at other cultures and realize how they're dealing with stuff. And not just with grief, you know, with birth as well, yeah. you know, I think other cultures right. deal with, again, you know, I, I actually, I've had three um, great nieces and nephews um just have ba their ba their first babies and over the last few weeks oh wow uh, it's just been like crazy i it always shocks me of how little time the new mother and and the new dad have to adjust to this com completely altered life or even <laughs> just to physically yeah. heal from the you know the what your body yeah. has to go through to, to have this little person in your life. And where I know I, I have uh, friends that are from Czechoslovakia and the mother was telling me that when she, she had two daughters and in Czechoslovakia, and not only did you stay in the hospital for like a week and it, it, it felt almost like a vacation they they taught mm -hmm. you how to take care of the baby and um there is like a training and for you and and the new dad and then when you went home they actually sent a nurse home with you for a period of time to make sure that the mother was resting and healing and and that you know they knew what to do and and that they were cared for and i'm just like holy cow <laughs> is that like the complete yeah. opposite here you know and because i we're think we're so productivity centric yeah absolutely if you're not producing something then you're doing something wrong yeah oh, boy is yeah. that true is that true wow yeah, that's a big loss that's another thing from tibetan culture because the the way that they say goodbye uh, it depends on if you're the person who's leaving or the person who's staying and so to the person who's leaving, you would say, go slow. And to the person uh, who's staying, you would say, stay slow. Oh, and our Tibetan yeah. friends, um, it was always fascinating to me because we have, with our productivity focus, we also have this, you have to look busy kind of a, a mindset. Mm -hmm. You know, like the boss is coming, look busy. And, and that's so much of 
how we view existing in the world and the idea that you could go at a slower pace and maybe a little bit more steady pace and rather than, Mm. you know, push, 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 and now you can relax. Or you can only have your vacation after you've worked really hard or you can't do that until you retire. And it's less of a, you know, like, let's get some work done and then let's stop and have some tea and then let's get some more work done and then let's have a meal. And and so trying to adopt more of that has has definitely helped my mental health. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I I have a acupuncturist, this Pao Huang, who is, who's, who's in Boulder, Colorado. And I started seeing Pao the late 80s um, for my eyes because I was, you know, really at the end of my rope with what to do and I was in so much pain and everything. And I remember walking in there the first time and I I went in because I was having severe migraines and my my massage therapist actually told me about him. And so, and I had never, I didn't know anything about acupuncture, nothing. So I went in, and first the the smells, because it was herbs. They they prepare herbs and and oh, everything. Yeah. So that was like it's a very distinct where, aroma. Yes, where where have I walked into? It was like walking literally <laughs> over the threshold into this different different world. And I, you know, I was trying to explain to him about my migraines and he keeps looking at me he's like what 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 happened to your eyes what's going on and i said oh no i'm not here for my eyes i'm here for th- these migraines he goes and he, and he kept saying <laughs> it over and over again and in my head i'm like cuz you know western medicine i you just this right. is what's everything wrong. is compartmentalized yeah exactly and he said no, really, tell me what's going on with your eyes. And so I yeah, did. Yeah, he can't look at anything if he doesn't know that. Exactly. And um, we just started this beautiful friendship. And I, I cannot even go into how many times he really brought me back from death um, a couple of times and where Western medicine sort of gave up on me and and he but when you go in there it's not like oh my gosh you know you're gonna have a heart attack you know or or what did you do or you know or let's get an x-ray or let's try this medicine it's like it's just like oh okay you know And, and so yesterday I went in because I dislocated my shoulder um, over Labor Day weekend, and it, it, you know, Western medicine is like, oh, we have to do this and that, and you know, you have to be on these muscle relaxants that make me feel like a zombie, like all this stuff. It was just like this bad, yeah. like cloud over me, and um, so I, I was like, okay, I'm gonna go back to Pell. <laughs> and again, I walk in there and. He he said, the first, how are your eyes? And I said, I told him that they were actually pretty good. And I told him about the shoulder. He goes, no problem. And and I lay down and, you know, and he does his magic. I say it's magic because that's what it seems like. <laughs> I'm comfortable and, with that framing. Yeah. and But it's just this totally different experience. It wasn't yeah. like... Oh my gosh! If you don't do this, you're never going to have use of your arm again, or you know, or it's going to take a year to recover. Um, yeah, you know, and and it did hurt, you know, because he he goes to the root of of the issue, and <laughs> um, and I wasn't sure 
you know, and of course he gave me these herbs. And so my house now smells like his, his office. Um, but <laughs> I like that smell. <laughs> yeah. But last night, so last night I, you know, I did the herbs for the first time and then I, I have not slept that good. And I felt like years and I actually had the most mm. incredible dreams. I feel like I haven't even dreamt in years since I've seen oh. him. And, um, and then this morning when I woke up, it was like, because it did up until I went to pout, felt like a knife going through my shoulder. And that's like, it was hard Ooh. not to focus on that. Right. And so this morning I wake up and I'm like, oh, I feel good. <laughs> I feel rested. Is this what I it feels can... like when you're not being stabbed? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, and it's like, it's just so frustrating that Western medicine doesn't accept that and accept what's I blame Descartes. Really? Oh. Rene Descartes. Yeah. Tell me more. Tell me more. <laughs> okay. So um, in, in Western philosophy, he's the one who came up with the whole mind-body-spirit separation. Oh, And no. also the scientific method, which I do value having been a scientist and having yeah. been a pharmaceutical chemist. I have, you know, a little bit of an insider view of how that plays out. And that's why we've got all those silos. That's why everything is compartmentalized. Because with the scientific method, you have to look at one variable at a time. You can't look at the whole picture. And so we've eliminated the possibility of having a holistic approach by using that pathway. And another thing that's really funny to me when you hear people questioning things like acupuncture or herbs and they'll demand to know, oh, well, you know, how does it work? Why does it work? As a, having been a pharmaceutical chemist, most of the drugs that are prescribed, they don't know the pathway that it's working through. Mm. And often drugs are prescribed for something different from what it was originally intended to be developed for. But in their clinical trials, they found like, hey, we found out that this was happening. So maybe that's going to be what this drug is. Wow. And so people have this higher threshold for what they call alternative medicine, which is actually ancient medicine that's been around for a long time. And if it were bad news, word would have gotten out by now, at least in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I, I definitely think within any traditional healing system, there are some things that can be problematic, like, um, you know, endangered plants being over-harvested or something yeah. like that. Uh, same thing with animals that are are, are being utilized for the the various properties. And so anytime I'm using Chinese medicine, I try to be very responsible about my herbs and, and yeah. the medicines I'm taking. But but if you look at how Western medicine is, if you actually saw behind the curtain, it's, it's not this um, profoundly wise thing that we like to see it as. But on the other side of that, you've got people who are very much against vaccines. And in a way, it's almost a modern form of homeopathy. Because you're encouraging your body to learn to deal with the thing that's a threat. Right. And so even though I'm not fully on board with Western medicine or biomedicine, you know, you can word it in different ways. Yeah. I'm not fully on board, but I'm also not against. Like, I'm fully vaccinated. And and so there are things that Western medicine comes up with that are useful. But often they're only really good at the things that are either treating a symptom or trying to directly address something that could kill you you know, like a heart mm, attack or right. you've got cancer. But even with that, I mean, they're getting better with more targeted treatments. But, you know, it's it's hard because there are all these things that are considered kind of subclinical, not strong enough for a Western doctor to even agree with you that you've got something wrong. 
Yeah. But you go to, you know, other types of medical practices and they'll be able to identify that you've got an imbalance in this meridian or, you know, your energy is not moving and that's why you're having these anger problems or whatever it is. Yeah. And so I, I just I think a balance of the two of them is really a good way to go. Yeah. I mean, I, he is. I, I always I, I call him magic. Um, yeah, he sounds like a gem because I'm in favor of acupuncture, but he sounds really good. <laughs> oh, he he is um, like, you know, he was trying to and his daughter was there. You know, Pau is nice. um, he's 79. It took me a while to get that out of him. And his daughter, his oldest, he has three daughters. His oldest daughter was there. And, you know, I said, can you know, tell your mom I said hello. And she goes, oh, what's your name again? And I said, Penn. <laughs> and she thinks and she goes, you have a you have a guide dog that's a poodle and i was like yes i do i cannot believe that you remembered that and she said yes i was in the office once and then you're and then she goes my mom always talked about you and your poodles and she just thought it was so wonderful and everything um because pal at first i was nervous to take my guide dog in um because you just never know mm. what kind of reception they're going to get but Pow yeah. would let, you know, get him up on the the bed, the table with me and let him, you know, and he would <laughs> soothe them and everything. And then, um, you know, sometimes, you know, because it's it is can be painful when he's working on you and mm. Pow would whistle like just this beautiful song. I don't even know what it is. And because, you know, my guide dog <laughs> would get like, what are you doing to her kind of thing? But Pal would start whistling. I'm concerned. You're touching my, my human. Yeah. And my guide dog was just like, oh, okay. So whatever he was whistling was even magic. Um, wow. But yeah, it That's was just, awesome. yeah, it feels like. Is his daughter becoming an acupuncturist? Or? She, um, one of his daughters is, um, has her own clinic in Florida. And then I don't know what the two, the other two are. Um, but, but well, she so. said, <laughs> I said, I need some more your dad's business cards and she goes okay but i'm only going to give you a couple because i really wish he would stop working so much because <laughs> i guess her mom yeah. her, her mom used to help in the she did the herbs um you know and she would oh, evaluate your nice. chart and everything but she said yeah mom retired a long time ago but dad dad refuses and i he goes i i only work four <laughs> days a week now she said yeah right <laughs> but he you know you were talking about loving what you do and um you know and, mm. and feeling like you changed the world well it's hard to step away from that right when you know your work is impacting the lot not just the present but the future of those lives you know, because he, he did yeah. say, you know, he said, you know, honey, <laughs> you can't you can't schedule somebody when they don't feel good. You can't say, oh, don't feel good mm. today. You know, you know, you have to wait until Monday. <laughs> I'm taking a day off today. Yeah. You're going to have to feel yeah. lousy tomorrow. <laughs> and I just thought that was so neat that he he's still at 79 knows how important healing is and he and and he is he's yeah. definitely a healer just like i think you know the things that you have talked about that you have done um you know how important it is to make those connections and and touch people's lives and and yeah. everything um 
Well, Lauren, it is. I, since I we're wanted, talking about. Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, since we're talking about medicine and healing, because you talked about how these sessions aren't comfortable, I just want to give a shout out traditional to traditional Thai massage, because mm-hmm. that's really similar. So anyone mm-hmm. who hasn't tried that, um, somebody who's Thai or has studied in Thailand is definitely my recommendation. It's not, you don't end up massage drunk, but you end up walking out more comfortable in your own skin. And so, yeah, yeah, I'm kind of thinking of your shoulder as I'm saying this. I actually... <laughs> but, um, um, but what were you going to say? I was... How's it doing? I actually, it, it's actually, I mean, I can lift it. I can't lift it all the way over my head yet, but it's definitely got more range That's in it. That's big than progress, it, though. Than it. It's huge progress. And just to be able to sleep <laughs> without... Yeah. Just the, the muscle relaxants really did impede me. Um, I, you know, I like the mm. first three mornings I was, I, I took them because I, I, I was not sleeping at all without them, but I did wake yeah. up in the morning. Not only did it really not help me sleep or the sleep I was getting mm. wasn't quality sleep, but when I'd wake up in the morning, I felt right. hung over and I, and I don't drink or take drugs oh. or anything. So I'm not used to that That's feeling. That's the worst. And so I haven't been taking them. So it's nice to wake up. Yeah feeling like I had a good night's sleep. And I think that that itself is healing, you know, Uh, but yeah. And when you're sleeping is when your body's able to do its repair work. So yeah. And he mentioned that too. It's like, you haven't been sleeping. I was like, nope, but haven't. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And so whatever, and, but what's nice is I, whatever is in the herbs is uh-huh. like because I took them this morning as well. I'm not; they're not making me sleepy. It's just at night, right? They're just balancing things out so you can sleep. Yeah, exactly. And it was beautiful yeah. to dream again. I have, feel like I haven't had dreams, of, and they were beautiful, colorful <laughs> dreams. It wasn't, um, you know, because people ask me a lot about dreams, um, and I've had other blind mm. friends. We've talked about dreams, and. You know, do people who are blind and visually impaired dream in pictures or is it just sounds? And everybody, even people who were born completely blind, they, there's still texture and color. It's just different than maybe what somebody who, you know, sees 2020 does, but there is right. all the elements, you know, texture and visions and color sense. and, and everything. So, yeah. It was, it was great. I feel like I'm back on the mend. I'll, I want to get ready for ski season. So that's, that's my, that's my, <laughs> I did not tell Pal that. That's why I'm here is because I want to get ready for ski season. I don't think he'd approve of that, but. Um, <laughs> Who but knows? He might've supported it. <laughs> absolutely. Um, Cause I do know that he, he has worked on um, uh, Olympians when they need to heal mm. quicker than and they come to him yeah. and make sure that that happens so um so do you so with the holidays coming up lauren do you have big plans or are you just going to enjoy being in your new home and getting settled we don't have any plans um, my husband is contemplating heading back home to see his family for the holidays because you know the shock of him having left <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and it's an easy flight back home um we have an enormous table that we bought for our house. And as soon as we've got our house under control, we might start having some of the the festivities at our house. But um, yeah. yeah, right now we're just kind of winging it and trying to get settled in. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, so another question that I like to 
ask my guests is what would you what do you want your legacy to be? Oh, that's a good question. I actually think about that probably more than I should. Okay. Um, and I don't have a clear answer, which is funny since mm. I think about it a lot. Uh, do you know the story of how the Nobel Prize came about? No, I don't. So there were two brothers with the last name Noble, and I, I'm sure I could tell this better than I'm going to, but I'm not going to tell it better. And <laughs> there was some kind of confusion, and an obituary was written for one brother um, when it was the other brother that had died. Right. And so the living brother reads this obituary that was actually written about him and talking about how he invented TNT and all of the destruction and blah, blah, blah. Mm. So he reads this and he's horrified that this this could be his legacy, that he created something oh, that wow. could be used for destruction. And that was not how he wanted his legacy to unfold. And so he he got busy and created a yeah. different legacy. Um. I do think one of the things I would like, because meditation has been really, really important for me, is I would like to publish some kind of a book that makes it easier for people to access it. Mm. So I guess that I would like and that. And when you get that written, we'll make sure that we get an audio format so that we can share it with everybody out there. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> sounds, like a good, sounds like a good plan. Sounds like a good plan. Yeah. Um, so, like so what's it. next for Lauren Bear? Do you have any travel plans or, or is there someplace you would like to go? I don't. Well, I want to go everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm the least well-traveled in my family. So it's kind of funny when people feel like I've traveled a lot because I've traveled less than everyone else in wow. my immediate family. Wow. Um, yeah, right? Um, we've only been to a few countries in Africa and there's some that we visited that we'd like to return to and then a bunch mm. more we'd like to see. Um, haven't seen much of South America. Um, I'd love to return to Thailand on vacation because with all my trips there, none of them have been vacation. And I hear oh. that's fabulous. Wow. <laughs> so I want to give wow. that a go. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> pretty much just, just anywhere I can go. Yeah. <laughs> um, in terms of goals, really right now, it's it's creating a really good structure for our volunteers here at AIMC because I want to make sure that we're setting them up for success and that we have a framework, you know, with everything that's changed over the last several years, there's a lot of opportunities to kind of tighten things up. And so I'm, I'm trying to look at ways that we can improve our programs, create additional volunteer opportunities, create volunteer leadership opportunities. So that's that's really occupying a lot of my bandwidth right now. And Lauren, how do people find out more about how to how to become a volunteer at AIMC? Go to our website. Um, right now, we have a volunteer application that only um, steers you towards the audio portion, you know, the recording that we do through all of our different channels. And um, so that's a, a starting point. And you can put notes in there if that's not what you're interested in. Um, or if you have pursued that and your audition didn't make it through, but you still would like to work with us, then please reach out again, because I would love to start connecting with volunteers that are looking for opportunities in addition to our recording and reading opportunities. Thank you so much for mentioning that, because that's definitely been a goal of mine, um, you know, especially on the development side. You know, we do fundraisers mm. and I I need help. <laughs> I need volunteers yeah. um, to make those come to life. And so I'm really, really excited that you've 
that we're talking about this and um, and bringing that oh, to terrific. fruition. You know, every year we have our, you know, our annual fundraising hike, and we've had some incredible volunteers on that. And some of them are volunteer readers, but they want to also, you know, yeah. help out with the hike. So, so definitely stay tuned. And so, yes, yeah, so just, you know, go to our website at www.aincolorado.org, and there's a volunteer button right up there at the top and just click through. And like Lauren said, there is a space for you to put your notes um, if you're interested in doing something else besides reading. I, I do want to make sure that people know, yes, it's wonderful if you want to read a newspaper for us, you know, week after week. But we also have things like, you know, public service announcements or now that we're doing topic of the month, sometimes they're just short articles that, that we need voices um, yeah, very specials. So, yeah, so and as you can all tell, Lauren is fantastic. <laughs> she's 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 a beautiful human being to work with. So and fully fluent Spanish speakers. We'd love to have some more volunteers to do reading along those lines too. So if that's you, contact me. <laughs> Absolutely. So Lauren, what what would you like people to take away from our conversation today? What would I like people to take away? That they really want to come and volunteer for us. Yay. I like that answer. <laughs> that would be great. I like that answer. Yeah, right? Okay, Laura. Yeah, we have gonna... such a, a wonderful family of volunteers, but we yes. have room for more. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I come from a family of 12. There's 10 children and both my parents. So, Oh, make, my make goodness the, gracious. Yeah, make the families big. It's, it's So beautiful. where are you in the birth order? I'm ninth. I have seven older brothers okay. and one older sister and one little sister. So, yeah, I'm, I'm a tomboy. I had to Holy be to survive. <laughs> so, yeah, so come be part of the AIMC family. I need to hear more about your family. background. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so, Lauren, You're good at dealing with big families. <laughs> exactly. Let, I'm going to reverse the table a little bit. I always give my guests an opportunity to ask me a question. So obviously with, with your visual impairment, I can see there being a draw to this, but what else was, was it about AINC that resonated for you? That's a great question is, um, I became a listener with AINC decades ago. Um, I just <laughs> happened to be at a resource fair and, uh, Kim Ann was there and who's now our executive director. Nice. And and I met David, who was the executive director and our founder at that time. And David was very excited because I lived up in the mountains in Estes Park. And he was really trying <laughs> to get, he wanted to know how far the reach was and, and, and to problem solve when people couldn't access it. And so I sort of became his guinea pig, oh. but it, it drew me to it not only <laughs> for the first time in my life, because I lost my vision at age nine, and most most you know, zero to nine year olds aren't reading the newspaper. So, new reading newspapers was never <laughs> even on my thoughts or anything. And so I, so it was just this new world opened up to me where I had access to information, and and a lot of it was, you know, because I was living in a small town in the mountains in Estes Park, Colorado, and to get local news. Cause you know, I would hear friends or family talk about something that happened and I'd be like, how did they know about that? Well, it was in the newspaper. And so 
Right. So I've always been involved. And then the various nonprofits that I worked with, I would bring my consumers and do tours of AINC and, of course, you know, sign them up to be <laughs> listeners. So it really was just right. a really natural fit. And so when this position opened up, you know, um, during COVID, during the end of COVID, it was just the perfect, it was a perfect time. And I was just so thrilled that, you know, I made it through the application and, and all the many interviews and they wanted me to be part of their family. So, yeah, so that that's what drew me to it is just the the work. And then, you know, we bring print to life. I mean, who who wouldn't want to be part yeah. of that, be part of that? That's, right? that's a great question. Um, I thought of another question since we talked about travel. Go ahead. Um, I was wondering with with your visual impairment, since we we're talking about travel, what is the biggest barrier that people could maybe be aware of and possibly help to remove when it With comes travel? to travel and visual impairment? Yeah. <laughs> well, so transportation is the biggest, biggest issue with people, especially who have vision issues, because public transportation is not widespread or easy or it never quite goes where you want it to when you want to go there. Um, and the alternatives are very expensive. And so, mm. you know, if we had what the self-driving cars, everybody's like, oh, well, that's going to be the answer. And I don't think so. I don't know if I would trust um, that. <laughs> um, you know, if you have somebody in your life that's blind or visually impaired, say, hey, you know, I'm going to the grocery store you know, would you like to go with me? Or, you know, I'm going to mm. Denver to go to this show. Would you like to go with me? Because unfortunately, when you start losing your vision or you've lost your vision, sometimes your world can get very small. And so there's little things that yeah. you can do to, to, to make that bigger. And especially people like me who like to be, you know, I, I like to ski, I like to hike. And I'm very fortunate that I have a wonderful people around me that that are willing and like to drive me at least i hope they like to drive me uh, but so <laughs> i get to do those things but i have the majority of my friends that are blind and visually impaired don't you know they they don't have oh. a spouse or a family or a friend that's like hey we're going skiing on saturday would you like to go you know or hey let's go for a hike or if i want to do it you know if i want you know i heard about this new trail it's right up the canyon who wants to go you know i'm lucky yeah. and i and i and i that's a beautiful thing that i have that i know so many people don't so that you know or you know Sounds you know like if including you're, people exactly exactly um and be willing to take that extra 5, 10, 15, 30 minutes, maybe an hour out of your day yeah. to uh, to give to give somebody a ride. That that's huge. Um, that sounds great. Yeah, that's a great question. Well, Lauren, thank you so much for being on thank here you, today. Penn. I know you are crazy busy and um, you're doing great work and it's so great that you're part of our family. I really, really appreciate it. And everybody out there, make sure you mark your calendars for next week's episode of Aftersight. It actually is our one year anniversary. I cannot believe it went by so Ooh. fast. Um, and we have a very <laughs> super, 
special guest, um, and we're going to try to keep him a secret, um, but you don't want to miss it. Um, I'll give you a little bit of a hint. He was the first to put blindness at the top of the world. Think about it, but definitely drop back in next week. And Lauren, again, thank you so, so much for being on. And always, always thank everybody at Audio Information Network of Colorado for making this podcast possible because I get to do the fun part. You know, I get to talk to people like Lauren, but all of the rest of you, you are doing the heavy lifting and you are making it possible for this to happen. And remember everybody, be kind to yourself this week and find a way to be kind to somebody else. It's good for your soul. 